as we've been studying Acts, we've been seeing a lot of the church. And it seems like the first four chapters, it's just so, it's, it's almost like the beginning of their race and it just, it's glorious. You know, when I used to read through the book of Acts, I used to write, I wish it just stopped after chapter two and just said, and they lived happily ever after. It just seems so perfect, right? You, you, you feel like, man, this is like a picture perfect church. And it's like, man, they should just stop at chapter two and they devoted themselves, Lord added, they enjoyed the favor of all the people and they lived happily ever after. And, and, I, and I think what I appreciate though about Luke being a, a real good, honest historian is he doesn't leave out the faults and failures of the church. And as spirit-filled and maybe even high in the spirit as the, this church was, they were still in this fallen state. They still had errors. There was a lot of, they're beginning this race. And now, you know, in previous chapters, we saw them hit some turbulence, right? Um, but the turbulence and the, the persecution was coming externally, right? They were getting attacked externally from, you know, they're on trial and people were, you know, outwardly. Um, and I think any church that has, is gospel-centered in nature, you're going to hit that. We're gonna, we talked about that. Expect persecution. Expect it to get tough. But as they continue on in this race, they're fighting through that turbulence and they're fixing their eyes on Christ. They're not compromising the gospel. They're still preaching the resurrection. Yet still on this race, what they end up discovering soon is there's also a beef going on internally. So there's this external opposition of persecution. And then there's this internal war with sin in sanctification. I mean, when we get to chapter 6, we're going to see even more issues in the church. So we're starting to get into that part of the season where we're starting to see some drama in the house. And so I just, you know, for those of us, I was actually just praying with a sister earlier tonight and just sharing, you know, there's a good handful of us this evening who we've just been baptized within these past five years. You've just begun your race. You've just begun your journey. And I wouldn't be shocked or surprised if by somewhere along the lines in this trek, in this walk with God, with the church, you've already hit some turbulence. You've already had days where it's hard to take one more step. You've already experienced fuzzy moments of confusion and, and inner things, external things, and it's hard. And you're still here. You're still going. I just want to kind of set that mood because that's where kind of the church is at. We're going to look at these Barnabas and Ananias and Sapphira, but I wonder even what's going on in the minds of the, the people in the congregation, you know? And so I think the Christian faith is rightly called a walk. You know, I'll give you some scriptures. Genesis 5.22, Enoch walked with God. Exodus 14, Israel walked through the sea. Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Matthew 4.19, Jesus said, come follow me. Walk with me. Ephesians 5, it says, be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love. The Christian faith is rightly called a walk. It's a journey. It's a trek. And I'm not quite sure this evening, as I've been praying for us and for those who might be here, where you are in your journey, in your trek, what you're feeling right now. But I want us to take heart because as we study through Acts, this is a real church that has real problems. They're human just like us. And they're not just getting hit externally. We're going to see tonight it's an inward thing that they're dealing with. And specifically, to put it on the nail, hypocrisy. It's a lying to God. It's not so much the amount that Ananias and Sapphira gave. It's they wanted to appear like something they're not. It's called false worship. 
We're going to see a good example in Barnabas of what true worship looks like. And then we're going to see a bad example in Ananias and Sapphira as to what false worship is. And we're going to see that you're not going to fool God with false worship. And we're going to see this great fear that sweeps through the church, which I think they needed to be brought back to, a real healthy fear and reverence of the Lord. And so wherever you are on your journey this evening, I pray that as we walk through this text, that God would speak, he would reveal things. And that again, by the grace of God, by Jesus Christ, you would carry on. All right, so um, let's pick it up. Verse 36. Thus Joseph, who is called the apostle Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. These apostles really like doing nicknames. I remember chapter one. They gave that other guy the nickname or whatever. Yeah. He's a Levite. Okay, it's good to know. He was in the member of the priestly tribe, servant in the sanctuary. Uh, Acts 11 says he was also full of the spirit and of faith. A native of Cyprus. So Cyprus was his hometown. That was a very um, big island, growing economy. A lot of business came in and out of their place. But Luke decides to note these things. And then he sold a field that belonged to him. And brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now remember, right before this, this is, this is what's happening in the church. People are doing this. But Luke wants to highlight this example. And then it says, but. So in contrast. Then he's going to talk about Ananias and Sapphira. So we're going to be able to look at these two and compare and contrast. All right? But the first thing, before we get to Ananias and Sapphira, because that's the meat of our text, I just want to mention this about Barnabas, that he is an encouraging example. He's a son of encouragement. We talked a little bit about him earlier in observation time, right? But he's that kind of bro. He's the kind of guy that shows up in the room and he just brings strength to the gathering. Right here, we're seeing that he was generous with his money, with his stuff. But like I told you, when Luke highlights him elsewhere, he's generous with his time. He's generous with his efforts, his resources. He's that kind of member And that is something we ought to all inspire. I mean, think, if the church were to give you a nickname, what would it be? Don't tell each other. Just think. You know, like, that. that's, that's, this is this type of man. And I think it's worthy. And I think Luke does a good job of just noting that. And it's worthy of imitation. But I thank the Lord. And before we move on, I really do. I thank the Lord. Like, there are so many, I think, examples like this in our church. Here in this room tonight. um, in In our membership at large. I mean, there are many unsung heroes that I think are Barnabases, where they are generous. They are generous because, like we studied last week, they see what? The great grace that was upon them. That's what's motivating this great generosity. So when you see these deeds, don't think, oh, I got to be more generous like Barnabas. No, you got to see the great grace that Barnabas saw. Barnabas is a result and an overflow of a man who truly saw the grace of God towards him. And it overflowed and spilled out into like, I'm going to sell this property and lay it down. Because there's brothers and sisters in our church that need it more than I. That's the spirit that's at work. 
Oh, what a good prayer to pray. Oh, that God would make us like Barnabas. Truly transformed by amazing grace. All right. Now it says, but. But's always a big word when you study the Bible, all right? But, or on the contrary, or moreover, or in contrast, a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira. Now we're going to go through this slowly and let's compare and contrast. Let's do what Luke was trying to get us to do. Look at Barnabas and then, but look at Ananias and Sapphira, okay? They sold a piece of the property. And with his wife's knowledge, kept back for himself. They sold a piece, kept back for himself. Barnabas was selfless in his offering. Ananias and Sapphira, selfish, keep back for self. Brought only a part. Barnabas brought it all. Ananias and Sapphira brought part. With his wife's knowledge. So there was hidden knowledge from the rest, meaning there was a hidden agenda. There was a plot. There was a plan. It was a scheme. Ananias and Sapphira had a hidden agenda. Barnabas had no hidden agenda. There was no secret. They laid it at the apostles' feet. Tell me whether you sold the land for so much and so. Barnabas was generous. Ananias and Sapphira, they wanted to appear generous. And Ananias and Sapphira wanted to appear something they are not. That's called being a poser, a fake, for show. This is important. This is huge. So huge, the Holy Spirit had to nip this in the bud. We need to heed this. Let me give you some scripture. Matthew 6.1, you can write it down, I'll read it. From the words of our Lord, he says, beware. You be aware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For, when, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Beware. We need to be aware of why we do what we do. Because think, this was the plan. Let's sell this much. They're seeing other people. They're seeing Barnabas go up. They throw it all down. They're selling. They're laying it all down. And, and this is where, you know, our imagination kind of kicks in. What were they thinking? Were they thinking, like, was this under compulsion? Like, oh, man. That, oh, Henry's giving all. Oh, Tim. Barnabas. Of course, Barnabas. And, oh, my gosh, look how much Barnabas threw down. And I wonder if they're having this conversation. What do we do? They didn't, remember, they didn't have to do this. This wasn't forced. This is when the apostles weren't like, everybody sell your stuff and give me all this stuff. Lay it down. No, this was all volitionally, voluntarily. There were cheerful giving going on. So you got to imagine, what was the conversation going on like with Ananias and Sapphira? What were they wrestling with? It seemed like, because they didn't need to do this, but they wanted to. They didn't want to be those that show up in church and, and be looked at as like, oh, look, they never give. Well, that was going on in their mind, perhaps, maybe. We don't know. They wanted to put something down but secretly say, but oh, we're not going to give it all, but let's look like we're giving all. Does that make, you seeing that? Let's just appear all in. Let's appear worshipful. Isaiah the prophet says in 58, I think he says, you seem to want 
to know the Lord. You, you act like this is fake worship. It's not wholehearted. And we must beware of ourselves. Like think, really think. The struggle to do what we're doing to impress other people in the house is a real thing. It's very real. Especially when you just begin to walk with God. You see other brothers and sisters see me so generous, so sold into this faith, so extravagant in their deeds and how they love one another. And if that's not really where your heart's at, it's tempting to be like, oh yeah, I'm going to read too. I'm going to read all the time. Oh yeah, yeah, I go pray. I love praying. But in your soul, it's like, for like five seconds, but, you know, we can go five hours, shoots, brah, you know, and you're going to struggle with wanting to do your righteous acts before others to just be seen. This is a real struggle. Assess yourself. Assess our hearts. Do we live in the mouths of people? Do we live for the views, for the likes? Like, you got to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal these things with us. Like, even this evening tonight, when you sang what you sung and how you sung it, as we worship, is this all for show? I don't know, but with Ananias and Sapphira, all of a sudden, the audience shifted. It wasn't so much for God. It was the people, perhaps. This was not cheerful giving. It would have been so different. It would have been so different if they were just transparent and instead of plotting to go to God in prayer and have a conversation with wife so I don't know if I can, I don't, I don't know if I feel like I, I can't decide in my heart to want to give all of that. I, I don't think they were judged for keeping back some. It would have been a different story, I think, if they just laid it down and it was just honest. This is how much we, let me give you a verse. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. It says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Not reluctantly not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver and not deceptively. They wanted to appear like something they're not. Don't tithe and offer because you see others doing it. Do it because you see the grace, great grace that was given to you in Christ. Don't serve and offer yourself up because him or her or this or that or that family here or there is doing. Don't do righteous things before others to be seen by them. That is not worship. Galatians 1.10, when they were tempted to compromise the gospel. Am I now trying to win the approval of man or God? For if I'm trying to please man, I am no longer a servant of God. Can you imagine if this mindset, this attitude of serving crept in farther into the church? If more brothers and sisters started to compete with one another like this, and only God knows and sees, and then you have a massive gathering of very passionate people who are putting on a show, and all the while, 
perhaps God in heaven stopped. Ananias and Sapphira, they wanted to appear like something they're not. There's a question, because maybe there are, there, that real struggle is, is, is present in the room tonight. Like, like, if you're really thinking about it, a lot of what you do, a lot of your religion or your righteous acts, it really is. It's just to impress someone. Like, you wouldn't do it if that person wasn't there, or if, if other people weren't devoted, you wouldn't be devoted. I have a question. Like, don't you want, don't you want worship to be authentic? Don't you want to experience God seriously for real? Like, don't you want this to be something that's, that's personal? Don't you want real, true worship? You know, Jesus says in John 4, time is coming, has now come. True worshipers, implying there must be false. True worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. This is the type of worship the Father seeks. Ananias and Sapphira were, they were about, they were, they were starting to, a false worship, a hypocrisy was about to creep into the church. God have mercy on us. Let's keep reading. Go, to, go back to Acts verse 3. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie? Satan filled your heart to lie. Satan's native tongue is lies. His body language is hypocrisy. Why has Satan filled your heart to lie, note this, to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land while it remained unsold? Did it not remain your own? After it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? Now, this is noteworthy. You have not lied to man, but to God. This backs up Trinitarian doctrine. You notice he said, Holy Spirit. You lied to the Holy Spirit. You lied to God. The Holy Spirit is God. You see that there, right? But note this. We cannot fool God with our false worship. I wonder if Ananias and Sapphira thought they'd get away with this, really. I wonder if they thought. I wonder if they were already daydreaming about you know, just standing tall next to Barnabas. And I wonder what my nickname going to be. And, you know, he's son of encouragement, what they going to call us. You know, like, I wonder, I wonder if they really thought they were going to get away with this. They were going to fool everybody. You know, it's a deceptive thought for you to think that you can fool God. God will not be mocked. We can try to fool each other. I can try and fool you. I can try to appear like I love God and in the hidden secret place of my heart contrive wickedness. That's how depraved we are. Let the, whole, like, let the text hit you. Are you faking this? Are, you think you can fool God with your fake false worship? We cannot. 
John 8.44, it says, you're the father, uh, you are of your father the devil, and your will is not to do the father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. The devil does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. He lies. He lies. He lies. He speaks out of his own character. He is a liar. He is the father of lies. If you are living decept deceptively this evening, if you're living in lies, if this is all you're trying to just pretend, you're pretending, we're pretending, we're faking this. It's called hypocrisy. This is of the devil. It's what he did from the garden. Let's deceive. Let's lie. You will not surely die. You'll be like God. It's his native tongue. When I sense myself struggling with hypocrisy, we have to call it what it is. This is from Satan. Lord have mercy, you may Satan not fill our hearts, where this would become a community of deception and pretending. We want true worship. Go to Isaiah 58. I mentioned it earlier, but let's, let's read, read it a little bit. Isaiah 58. Isaiah is like right smack dab in the middle of the Bible. A little after Psalms, Proverbs. Isaiah 58. The prophet is speaking of true and false fasting or true and false worship. He says this, verse 1. Cry aloud. Do not hold back. Lift up, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as if, as if, NIV, I think it says, they seem as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask me, Ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. You lie. You fast only to quarrel and fight, to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice be heard on high. I wonder if Ananias and Sapphira thought their offering would be accepted. I mean, at least they gave psalm. Is such the fast I choose? A day for a person to humble himself? A day to appear worshipful? Show up on Sunday. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. Watch porn on Monday. Show up on Wednesday. Oh, yeah, yeah I love you. I love you. Yeah, would you need help, bro? I love you. God, is this the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of the wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, let the oppressed go free, break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him, not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then, 
Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Your rear God, um, guard. <laughs> then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and He will say, "Here I am." If you take away the yoke from your midst, the point. Uh, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness. If you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a water ground, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall rise up the foundations of many generations and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets to dwell in. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable. If, you're on, if you honor it, not going your own ways, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken." God's worship, it has to be something that's so real and genuine and authentic that it transforms us so much so inwardly and externally where we become this generous people. We really do care. We love the Lord. We care for one another. Not this fake act like on a day and then deep down it's all selfish. It's all about me. What can we keep for ourselves? Let's appear all in, but not really. Understand this. The Lord will not be mocked. He's not going to be fooled. Write this one down, Hebrews 4.13. No creature is hidden from his sight. All are naked and exposed to the eyes of him whom we must give an account. You're not fooling no one by faking it. I'm pleading with you from the scriptures. Because I know I've done this many a time. So much of my early walk with the Lord was such a wrestle with hypocrisy. I wanted to appear like something that was really, wasn't really going on inside of me. You don't want to fake it, guys. See, there is a God. And he will not be mocked. You can't punk God. Don't be deceived by empty words such as, like the psalmist says in 14, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. I wonder if Ananias and Sapphira thought, man, it's been so good and this and this. I mean, nothing going to happen. Nobody going to know. Just don't say nothing. I wonder if that was a thought in their heart. I mean, no, look, at everyone's throwing in. Let's just jump in the line and throw in too. And don't say that in your heart. Lord, have mercy. And if there is any contriving in our hearts to want to Fake this. Do righteous things before people just to be seen. May tonight we repent. Let's go to back to Acts. You know, I, I had another verse. We're not going to turn there, but you can write it down. Ephesians 5. It says, walk as children of the light. You once walked in darkness. Come into the light. What Ananias and Sapphira lacked was transparency. 
man, it could have been so different if they just, can you imagine if they were struggling with being generous and they just weren't there yet, but they had prayed together, maybe just reached out to a brother or sister in the congregation and said, you know, I see Barnabas doing this and so-and-so, and I'm so encouraging, but I don't know, something's wrong here. Can you pray with me? Pray for me. I think my eyes are being taken off of the grace of God, and it's starting to become about a performance of man, and, and I just need help. That's how our small groups ought to be. Not we show up and challenge who's more spiritual and appear like something we're not. No, we show up and, James 5, confess your sins to one another, pray for one another. I need healing. I'm sick. I want to fake it. I'm so encouraged. I love being able to pray with some men this past month and just share with them the deeper inner thoughts of my heart. And I said, this is where I think I need prayer. And even if I don't see it fully, if you guys see it when you pray for me, can you tell me? Like, if there's any arrogance here, there's any pride here, I just want the light to be shined on in my darkness. We need that. Ananias and Sapphira didn't have that. They didn't do that. Instead, they just went forward. And they kept trying to fake it. This fact ought to put a ton of fear in our hearts. Oh, let's read on. Verse 5, when Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. Now notice this. Great fear, megas, big, large, like the same word, great grace, great fear came upon all who heard it. You know, I thank the Lord in my life for the good examples he's given me, but honestly, I think I've learned a lot more sometimes from the bad. Examples before me of men and women who who lived wrongly and and just me reading that, just hearing it, this is wisdom. They're just hearing it. And they're being quickened with this fear. I hope that could be us this evening. Where you don't have to go and do the things that they did. I've seen some things in my short years on the earth of men and women of the church falling in sin in ways that just spooks me, man. Because that could be me. Great fear came upon all who heard it. I like this, verse 6. I'm surprised no, none of the people, no, you guys never mentioned this in your observation. The young man rose. Because the old man not going to carry the body, right? We know the backs would do that, bro. Kaleo, Kaleo, Dylan. You know? <laughs> the young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. After an interval, about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And, he, and she said, yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door. They will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet, breathed her last. And the young men came. There they are again. Just Paul bearing the other body. And they found her dead. And they carried her out and buried her beside her husband's. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. Big just observation I just want to point out, very general, we all see it, is the fear of the Lord. The great fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord. Can you imagine the young men? 
I think it's good that the young men did it. Can you imagine, young guys? This is something noteworthy. I think it's good that the young people in the church were up close in this bad example that it'd be etched in their minds and etched in their hearts that God will judge and he's ever right to. He's a righteous God. He's holy. You don't mess around with this God. He is real. He's the living God, sovereign God who created everyone and everything. And all of us must give account. Sin is so serious. The wages of sin is death. It's death. And the young men needed to see that. Need to carry it and feel it and tremble. We have a problem, I think, in our generation. We lack the fear of the Lord. When's the last time you reverently approached God in prayer? Isaiah 66 says, the man who trembles at my word, this is the one I look at. Like seriously, and not emotionalism and, and just trying to muster up fake fear. Like you see God for who he is. And you see yourself for who you are. You know what's a good study to study? Look at all through the scriptures of the posture of people who came into the presence of God. Think any of sub God? No way. It was prostrate, flat, knees to the floor. And it wasn't fake because they perceived Peter away, away from me, Lord, a wretched man. I am. Paul writes to Timothy, Christ came into the world to save sinners. I'm the foremost of it. David writes in the Psalms, I know I'm a sinner. I've been a sinner since, my, since the womb. That is such a grace to see the gravity of, the, of this. Let me give you some scripture. Psalm 111, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. It's the beginning. It's the starting point of wisdom. The fear of the Lord. Proverbs 1.7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So you have wisdom. You have knowledge. Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge gets defined of the Holy One, is insight. Why is the fear of the Lord the beginning? Why is that the starting point of the pursuit of wisdom and knowledge? And, and because when you see the holiness of God and your sin, there's fear. You know you deserve the wrath of God because you're a rebel. You have lied. We have lied in our hearts. We have contrived. We've plotted. Some of us, we have been plotting sin all week. We've been, we, our hands are filthy with it this evening, perhaps. It's going on in our heads and in our hearts. We have dirty thoughts, dirty plans. And when you see that God is God and who you are, your heart is gripped with fear. I remember when I was at the age of 12, when the fear of the Lord really first, I think, started to make its way. I was on a trip to Mexico, and we were worshiping in this, this small little church, and they were singing worship songs that I didn't really understand, except when they got to God and Jesus, Senor, something like that. But there was just something about that moment when I recognized, I am a bad boy, and I've done bad things. And I, I can't approach God. And then it began. Wisdom, knowledge. That's why it's the starting point. 
You fear the Lord, you know Christ more. That's how it works. Why? Because in this fear, you're like, so how do I get right with this holy God? I'm a sinner. How does this, how do I, how do I get to him? I hope and pray that you know the answer by now. I hope and pray you know the answer by now in your heart because your righteous deeds won't get you there. I have no business approaching God in and of myself. But praise be to God for Jesus Christ and his righteousness and him dying on the tree and being buried and resurrecting from the grave and grace upon grace just lavishing upon me and now he's abiding in me. I am righteous before God because of Christ. I can approach him now because of Christ, not Chris. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, knowledge, and then knowledge of the Holy One. That's insight. That's what Ananias and Sapphira lacked. That's what was possibly being attacked in the church. Oh God, I've been praying for us, for me, that there would be a healthy fear in our church, a healthy fear of the Lord, no longer trying to impress people, trying to do this to get likes, build a gathering, what else? No. <laughs> this, is, this is fear of the Lord. We want to know Christ more. Jesus says this in Matthew 10. It says, verse 28, Do not fear those who kill the body and cannot kill the soul. Oh, Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him. Fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Hebrews 10, verse 20, let's start verse 26. If we go on sinning deliberately after receiving knowledge of the truth, there are no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace. Holy moly. Verse 30. We know him and said, vengeance is mine. I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. 31. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Oh, God, please help us to put, a, put our fingers on our hypocrisy this evening. Let us, let us come into agreement with the psalmist in Psalm 139, who you read the whole psalm. He, it's really obvious. I can't run away from you, Lord. Where can I go from your presence? If I go here, if I go there, you're there, you're everywhere. You were with me from the beginning when I was being woven together in my mom's belly. And then at the very end of his psalm, what does he say? Search me, oh God. I'm tired of hiding. Living in the dark. Search me, oh God. Know my heart. Try me. Test me. Is there anything grievous in me? Lead me in the way everlasting. In our hypocrisy, don't hide from God. You cling to Christ. You go to the cross and you say, this is the only way I can come to you. And this is the only reason why. And Lord, please save me. 
and please sanctify me, change me. This is what's going on in my heart, God. You go to God with Christ, in Christ. You don't run and hide. But that's the reflex. That's the fallen nature reflex, right? In the garden, what did Adam and Eve do? They hid. Why would we hide, says the psalmist in 139. That's my pigeon version of Psalm 139. Why are you going to hide? No can. That's what I think when I read Psalm 139. Why are you going to hide? No can. So I'll just go to him. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say we've not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and the word of God is not really in us. Don't lie. Stop lying. Stop acting. Don't act. Stop acting like you are something you're not. Go to God in Christ alone. That's the only way to get there. Allow the fear of the Lord to begin to draw you in and to prize and love and adore the precious person of Christ. And as we follow him, as we keep journeying with him, he sanctifies us and shapes us and molds us more and more. This is what we pray. I pray our small groups. And if you're not in something to that fashion, that would happen in our church. I quoted this earlier, but James 5, 16, it does say, it says, as we confess our sins to one another and pray, guess what happens? Healing. That's a healthy thing to do. You know what's unhealthy? Hiding and pretending. Hypocrisy. Walk in, plaster your smile. How's your week going? Good, God. Good, bro. So good this week. And that's it. But you know, deep down in your gut, there are things you're doing still and just struggling with. And... No need to act here. We're all sinners. <laughs> We're all messes. I was just telling a sister earlier this evening, I see no difference between you and me. The only difference is I've just been journeying a little longer, just a little longer. But that's, that's, not, that's it. May God please put a healthy fear of the Lord in us. And may we see his great grace to us and allow that great generosity to flow through us. Ask for a great fear of the Lord to be in us to experience a great assurance in Christ alone. We'll close. I have some suggestions or just throw them out there. Um, but in the battle with hypocrisy, if you look at Matthew chapter 6 and you read verse 3, 6, 18, he's, he's um, Jesus is saying, you, you do what you're doing to be seen by others. And then he, Jesus counsels, do the opposite. Seek me in the secret place, in the hidden place. You want to battle your hypocrisy? You battle it in the secret place. And who we are in private, when it becomes genuine and authentic, it just overflows into public. You know? Battle it in the secret place. I commend you, Matthew chapter 6. It says, Jesus, because in the secret place, that's where your father is. That's, that's interesting. That's noteworthy. That's kind of spooky. <laughs> in the secret place, that's where your father might be paying the most attention. Not right here, right now, maybe, perhaps, but when you're in your room, when you're in your car. In the secret places of your heart and mind, that's where your father sees. Preach the gospel to yourself daily. Why do I say that? Because all of this, remember, it's an overflow of seeing his grace.
Never hear from the text and telling you to be more generous. No, it's see the grace of God. Let that motivate us to be generous like a Barnabas. Um, in your secret place, take a posture that fears the Lord. I'm just throwing that out there. It's just some practical, you know, go for it. I mean, just pray for a posture in your heart that just, how would you approach the king of kings? I mean, and then um, set yourself, set yourself up, set your life up to have regularly the opportunity to confess sins to brothers and sisters, to share struggles and get prayer. Like set yourself up. Like it's going to take humility, man. Just, just do it. Um, it's a healthy thing for a church. And it'll preserve that fear of the Lord. I think that's, that's enough. Um, I know that there has been kind of like um, really fun, really cool this year. I think I've just been seeing like um, these, these, you know, small groups and, and just people trying to connect with each other real, real, real organically and authentically and stuff. I think that's so awesome. And I think it's so exciting. And I would pray, you know, like if, if tonight as we're studying, if, if there are areas in your life, hypocrisies in your life, and you're just, you, you can't get, you know, you're having a hard time, um, I would commend to you just, pray and just put your foot in there and, and talk to someone like just and even if you want help like if you want help like connecting with a brother or sister that perhaps would work good um to get into some sort of small group setting um please and and not to just be righteous and re uh, religious you know not, not not to just be oh because oh so and so stay in a small group so i should get no 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 because of this because of christ respond to the holy spirit respond to the lord and let the fear of the lord begin continue our journey but let's pray. And, um, you know, even this evening, if there is any sins that need to be confessed, really, like, now's the time. Now's the time. You know, grab a brother or a sister. Now's the time. Let's get right with God. Lord, we confess that we too are like Ananias and Sapphira. It's just so wrapped up in our human nature. Everything. It's, we're all about appearance. We, we want to put pictures of ourselves up that look better than what we really look. We want to appear and act like something that perhaps is not truly who we are inwardly and so we want to be a people or your children that come into the light we pray that you would remove all pride and human arrogance in this room lord we ask that you'd forgive us of any hidden secret sins that we are committing or have been or are thinking of and we pray that you would create in your church here god as you build it a place where Christ truly is Lord and that we find ourselves opening ourselves up and being transparent first to you and then to one another because we know that we need a Savior. We need help. 
it's okay to say you're sick and we're, we're, we're sinners and we're, there's certain things that we, we need to address. Lord, let, let your church, let this church be a place, God, where that is welcomed and Christ comes and does the healing and does the saving. So thank you for this place. Thank you for this time. Thank you for our study through Acts. We pray that as we continue to journey through the book, um, we would be greatly encouraged, greatly convicted, and greatly transformed by the power of your spirit and by your grace. We love you, Lord. Keep us abiding in this love. And so be with us now, even in our fellowship. Holy Spirit, guide us in and through everything that happens in this place right now. In Jesus' name, amen.